listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and they said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. So by this stage in Luke's narrative, Jesus has begun his movement toward Jerusalem. He has set his face toward Jerusalem. At this point, he is still in Galilee. He's still in Herod's territory. Like this Herod's father before him, he's a nasty piece of business. He's supported on the throne as a puppet king under the Roman Empire, and he's going to hold it. Like his father before him, the one who had ordered the slaughter of the babies in Bethlehem around the time of Jesus' birth, this Herod is ruthless, willing to defend his thin claim to the throne at any cost. Get away from here. These Pharisees say to Jesus, Herod wants you. Now, we tend to be conditioned to hear the word Pharisee and immediately think, you know, villain, bad guy. Be immediately suspicious. They must be exaggerating this danger of Herod as a way of getting Jesus just to kind of clear out of the region, right? Maybe, but maybe not. There are, after all, Pharisees who invite Jesus to dine with them in their homes. There's Nicodemus the Pharisee, who comes by night to see what he can learn of this Jesus. There's even mention made in the book of Acts, which of course is also written by Luke, of Pharisees becoming Christians. The Pharisees were no friend of King Herod's, so perhaps the warning is genuine. Clear out. Lay low. He's dangerous. Go and tell that fox for me, Jesus replies, that I'm doing the work here that I need to be doing. It's not here in Galilee that I will face any threat of death. That's for Jerusalem. It is impossible, he says, for a prophet to be killed away from Jerusalem. Then those extraordinarily poignant words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. It's a powerfully maternal image that Jesus uses to describe his own desire, his longing, as the New International Version translates it, for the people of Jerusalem. And I think it's important to recognize the fact that it is a maternal image. But it's not a stereotypically gentle, nurturing mother image. It's a fierce one. When danger approaches, say a fox... A hen will shelter her chicks under her wings. She'll not only do that, though, she'll protect them with her very life. She will fight off, as best she can, any predator 
She'll put her life on the line for the sake of the chicks tucked under her wings. Gives the image some particular power, doesn't it? How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? How often have I longed to gather your children? He longs to gather them, longs to save them and protect them. And to do that with the fierce protectiveness of a threatened mother hen. Longing. It's such an evocative word, isn't it? The psalm we heard read aloud is filled with longing, longing for safety, longing to be hid in God's shelter in the day of trouble, longing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And considering this psalm, Psalm 27, Beth Tanner first asks, is this a psalm of trust or a prayer for help? begins in a posture of trusting praise. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom then shall I fear? And over the first six verses, it expresses deep trust. Trust even when evildoers assail me or roar rises up around me. For those first six verses of the psalm, the voice is stubbornly and resiliently steadfast, trusting, and unafraid. And how is that? Because the Lord will hide me. The Lord will shelter me in the day of trouble. The Lord will conceal me under a covering of tent. The Lord will set me high on a rock. While the psalmist doesn't exactly use that image, he's basically saying, I'll be safe as a chick under the wings of my mother hen. Enemies, predators, foxes, notwithstanding. But then the psalm moves from that posture of trusting praise to one of uncertainty, lament, really. Now a deeper, almost agonizing longing begins to be heard. Do not cast your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me. These enemies, these adversaries, their threat is real. False witnesses have risen up against me. They're breathing out violence, the psalmist writes. My only hope is in the shelter of your house, your tent, your way under your wings. If my father and mother forsake me. It's quite a line, right? If my father and mother forsake me. If even our parents turn away from us, the Lord will take us up. At that point, the psalm begins to move from lament back to praise. It's cyclic, Beth Tanner comments. It's cyclic, just as our lives are cyclic. We praise, we cry, we praise. It is the stuff of our existence. The psalmist longs for safety, longs to be sheltered, longs to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Notice the power of that line. Not off in the sweet by and by, you know, the the hereafter somewhere out there, not here, but in the land of the living. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the here and now. 
for all the false witnesses, for all the slander and the gossip and the lies that swirl around this psalmist's life, for all the violence breathed against me, he says, I believe. And so with longing and boldness, the psalmist ends by singing, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. There's sorrow in the gospel, great sorrow in that image of Jesus wanting to gather the children as a hen gathers her chicks. For Jesus, in his longing to gather them, recognizes that they're not willing. The children of Jerusalem, by that he doesn't mean literally just the children, He means all of them in their lostness and their vulnerability, the Pharisees, the scribes, the priests included, that can't see how vulnerable they are. They don't recognize the sheltering safety and salvation that he brings. They haven't recognized their need, nor that he might meet their need. They have, as it were, other longings. Maybe to maintain the tradition can be a a great longing and a deep deception to simply maintain the tradition. Maybe to hold the precarious power balance with their Roman overlords. Maybe to hold the political, religious, social, and cultural status quo in place. The sheltering wings of Jesus, not so much. He longs for them They, for the most part, can't see him as the one to whom they need to turn in order to have their own deepest longings met. Accept. This is one of those great themes of the gospel tradition. Accept. Those who are physically blind, they're able to see and realize what he brings, and so their sight's restored. Those who are as good as dead in the gospel stories, well, they keep sitting up and paying attention. Those who realize they've pretty much lost in all things scurry close and take shelter in him. That's who rallies around him. Even if they don't realize the maternal fierceness of this Jesus, the one who, like a mother hen, is willing to die to keep them safe, They don't know that yet, but they know their need, and so they move to him. Our hope lies in that great gospel reversal. When we honestly count ourselves among the last and the lost and the least and the dead, which we all are in our own way, and we have to be honest with that, when we count ourselves among the lost and the least and the last and the dead, like the blind man by the side of the road, we can begin to see how much we need those sheltering wings. And so here again the words from the psalmist. I believe, remember this psalmist has just been lamenting, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That's the great good news for this second Sunday in the season of Lent. 
In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.